Hey, you've clicked on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Woo! Hopeondemand.com, where we feature lots of different podcasts. We appreciate you checking ours out right now. And I just got to let you know something right off the bat. Okay. I got it wrong. You got it wrong. I got it wrong. Last week, I made a reference to something that Moses had shared and then reshared and then God shared and then Joshua shared. Okay. I got a little part of that wrong. What'd you get wrong? So um, the words in Joshua 1.9 have probably been etched in some fashion on every church in the United States of America. To be bold, to be to be strong and brave. The Lord your God is with you. Uh-huh. These were words that Moses had already shared with Joshua. And then they were reiterated. And um, by the Lord, we we discovered these are the, God's words all along. And then I think I, last week I said, and then Joshua shared them. Well, no, no, now I'm in the book of Joshua. It was God once again reinstating, hey, oh. just in case you forgot. Okay, so you attributed the wrong, the right thing to the wrong. I just want to make sure that it's not man where we're getting these words from. It's always God, right? That's a good point. I think that's a good reason to bring that up. Uh, Otherwise, we were just going to hold it over your head. Um, Rochelle said that Joshua said that even though he wrote it down, it was technically God. So what's crazy? This Hmm. podcast might have some errors. What? I know. If you've binged these... And you're like, I don't think that may, we may agree with you. We oh, may. <laughs> I kick, Do you ever do that when you've had a conversation with a family member and you were like, oh no, it was definitely Coca-Cola that they drank that day. Uh-huh. It was not Pepsi. Yeah. And then you go back and look at photos and you're like, oh man, it was Coca-Cola. Oh, well, I was so I mean, it was certain. Pepsi. I was so certain. And yet yeah. the answer was wrong. And it was wrong. And we're that gonna, was me. We're going to get to actually a faith part of that. Ooh. Certainty and the right answer or certainty and the wrong answer. We'll get to that. But we have an interesting email. Okay. And this is one that is something we had referenced before. Uh And so, Tony, I'm just going to go ahead and read the email, uh, most of it at least. Okay. Tony said, recently I was going back through catching up on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. How lovely. Came across one that had a brief mention of baptisms. Oh, okay. You seemed hesitant to uh, delve in further. I'd be interested in hearing more. Oh. Now, she gets into a little bit about like the mode or the form of baptism, whether it be immersion or sprinkling or anything like or infant baptism. And and I will say, I, at least for me, yeah, I didn't delve in purposely because I think we can get into a. It can be a touchy subject, even debatable. And especially when it's not even an essential like like, like okay. as the Christian churches, like it's like we're not. We're not debating the nature of God or grace. We're debating the mode of baptism. Like, we're still going to lock arms and call each other Christians at the end of the day. Right. So it's kind of not worth it, at least for our podcast, to delve into a bunch of, you know, we could get all the way down to what color should the carpet be at the local church? Like, we're just not going to get into divisive things. But it seems important enough because it was something that was brought up, not only by Jesus, but then he, you know. Oh, sure. He got baptized. Oh, no, and not baptism itself, just like right. the mode where different Christian churches feel different ways. But I think this part is an essential in a way. Uh-huh. And because she goes on to say, um, you know, I, I've i never been baptized. As a teenager, it was never something I thought about. For several years now, I've wanted to be baptized. And my husband's job requires us to to relocate frequently. So, you know, we'll get to a church and we don't, we don't spend much time there. Um, but now we're at a church. And very recently, they announced a baptism service. Okay. I was very excited to hear this and inquired about being a part of it. Yeah. I was very disappointed to be told that since I wasn't an official member of the church, Mm. I couldn't be baptized. 
Huh. And while I continue to attend the church, it's very hard to feel the same. Yeah. So she says their stance was that they had they do this to stay faithful to the Bible as it teaches that baptism is a part of the local church membership. Now, hmm. that's all we have to go on. And let me let me just say hmm. to to Tony, we're just going to take your word for it because I hate it when I tell a story and somebody goes, well, did they mean this or did you hear it wrong? And I'm like, hey, you know, of the two of us, yeah. uh, the one person that was there was me. <laughs> right, right. So we don't have the churches. We don't have the printout of what their specifications we're just, are. We're just going to go with what you say. Okay. And and I find it to be, and I confirm that I actually brought this up with my pastor just yesterday because I'm like, I certainly feel a certain way about what they're doing, what the church is doing. And at least in terms of what you have read in scripture and you've interpreted in scripture. Yes. Yes. What the clear example seems to be. Yes. And then I like, I'm going to confirm that with my pastor who's way smarter than I am. And he, he agreed with me that if it was the other way around, Hey, we require you to be baptized. If you want to be a member, there's mm -hmm. a lot of churches that do that. Okay. And we can even talk about that too. Yeah, people may not even feel the same way, uh -huh. but in order to be baptized, you have to be a church member. I don't see any standing in scripture that that's true. I don't know what they would point to, to say, yeah. we won't baptize. Yo, you believe in Jesus? Oh, you're going to put your faith and your trust in him today. Oh, but you're not a member. Oh, then you can't be. That doesn't seem biblical at all. No, because the examples of baptism, even, uh, after Jesus rose from the dead and we see the apostles now they're they're baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, I immediately think about the uh, Ethiopian gentleman. Sure. Sure. Who's reading through the book of Isaiah. Doesn't know what he's reading. Has no idea. And he's baptized there on the spot in a crick. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. Or they, a puddle or they, something. Right, right. They puddle, They stop the chariot. Yes. And they baptize him right there. It is It is a, and we talked about it in the past and, and even why I hesitated some, because there are some faiths that believe, um, I would say there's some Christian faiths. Uh, I don't know. We can get into, that's a whole road too, but sure. there are some that believe you have to have baptism to be saved. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where I would also disagree, but that baptism is a public profession of faith. It is in obedience because you've put your uh, faith in Christ. And, you know, there's many places, in, including Galatians, I think it's Galatians 3.12 or somewhere in there, maybe it's 3.23. Mm. Uh, we are a household of faith as the body of Christ. And so faith is is the thing. But then baptism is this obedience thing. And, and, and to, again, chasing a rabbit for a second, but um, you see it instantly in the New Testament. And that's what I was kind of talking about before, seeing about, whoa, I'm just wondering if we do it right in modern day, because nowadays it's like you kind of schedule some new believer classes or you just schedule it out two months from now when family can be there. And mm -hmm. and I don't think that's right or wrong, but it's certainly not what they were doing back in the day. <laughs> no. Yeah. In the instance of the the Ethiopian gentleman, Philip was taken up by the spirit. Like, first of all, he's yeah. just like, hey, go down this road. So uh -huh. He's walking down the road and that's when the chariot comes along. And then the Holy Spirit takes him somewhere else after he's done baptizing him. Yeah, that's right. You imagine right. that guy's face, by the way, he comes up out of the water. He's like, where'd he go? What? How did that happen? <laughs> but then you have something like that. You have some, you know, when the 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 message is spread to the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people, you have Peter's, you know, the Holy Spirit falls on them yeah. upon belief. Yeah. And, and Peter's stunned and he says, well, we can't withhold baptism. And so they get baptized right, right then. There. So you see a lot of immediate, really 
I think you only see only immediate baptism right after faith. And so what my pastor said was, you're not baptized into a local church, you're baptized into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So for this church to say, again, unless I'm reading it wrong or something, and they're saying you have to be baptized to be a member, like, cause we want followers of Christ to be members of the church. Like that's, that's fine to me, but to say you can't be baptized unless you're a member, you know, my pastor said, we've had people here visiting family from way out of state or out of the country. And they all of a sudden they hear a message and they believe in Christ and they go, I'm never going to be back here because I live states away, but can I get baptized? Mm -hmm. And we go, yeah, yeah, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. This is about the kingdom. This isn't about our church building. Yeah. And so I I can't imagine when what I would do if I were you. Because maybe they misrepresented themselves, miscommunicated, and they are talking about the other way around. I would go to them and say, point to me in scripture where you're seeing this. Can I get some clarification? And always the benefit of the doubt, because maybe there's a chance I heard it wrong. Sure. What did I hear you say? And can it? Yes. Always. Would you help point to scripture and not somebody else's philosophy in regards to somebody else's interpretation? Because I would be uneasy with that Mm -hmm. um, where you're getting this from. It's just it's very important. interesting. It's yeah. very, it's a very interesting scenario that I've never heard before. Do you think you have to be baptized in order to get into the kingdom? You already said no. Do I think you have to be baptized to get into heaven? No, no. And there's, there's, see, that can be wishy washy with some people. No pun intended. But I told my wishy washy, yeah. But I told my friend that is of a faith that believes baptism is required. Okay. I mean, not required. of the Christian faith. Not of the Christian faith. Okay. It's a, it's a different thing. Uh huh. And I told him, I could see a scenario mm-hmm. where at the end of time, all of the believers that are in heaven have been baptized or made a good faith effort to get baptized. Mm-hmm. I, I could see a scenario where anybody that says, I don't need baptism, I don't want to do it, I don't mess with that. I could, I could just see a scenario where those people didn't have genuine faith. Mm. But, but it doesn't even matter because there's nowhere in scripture that says, well, if you're not baptized, you're not getting to heaven. Yeah. So so I, I could be wrong on that. And and I just want to reiterate, it comes down to faith. You know, when you discover the love of your life, best case scenario is you want to spend the rest of your life with that person. Mm-hmm. You want to publicly declare I'm yeah. in love with them. Yeah. And you don't want to hold back. Best case scenario. Yeah. That's And, and that's, that's baptism. Public I mean, declaration of commitment. Right. And we're going to get married and we, yeah. So it's interesting that baptism has, it's, it's a thing, it's connected with the symbolism of water, which is all the way throughout scripture. Yeah. You can even connect the stories mainly having to do with water from even creation when the spirit hovers over the expanse Mm. and separates the waters. It's about this bringing order to chaos, God's spirit bringing order to chaos. What happens after the fall, um, it's, we see the waters are actually, it's a passage from devastation in order for salvation. So you see, uh, for example, like Noah, the waters come and they Mm got to get out. Uh, you, you see Moses and the, the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different scenarios. Joshua is one that I just read through in Joshua three, where uh, the actual place, uh, not necessarily the actual place in the Jordan River, 
but the same river where Jesus was baptized later by John, his cousin, the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same water that they passed through into the promised land. So now we're leaving back behind wilderness. We're leaving past. We're we're moving forward into future and you're going through the water to get to the promised place to get to to be to this place of rescuing. Yeah. Isaiah uses water. Ezekiel uses water. So we al- we always see these 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 beautiful symbolic representations of water. And when Jesus comes, you remember the very beginning where the the spirit of God hovers over the waters. The spirit of God comes down as a dove over the watered area where Jesus has been baptized. Yeah, that's true. And so the baptism is highly symbolic and it's meant to, I think, kind of link it all together, weave it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Is the way I've understood it from other people who have studied it. And and it's it's important in terms of like if I love Jesus, I'm declaring to everybody this is a way I'm showing it. Sure. That sure. I am then washed from my past. I'm stepping into new life and 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 I and I guess I just want to say, I could see that scenario, like I said, where at the end of time, every true believer either made a good faith effort or or was baptized. But you know, even my wife's story, you know, she mm-hmm. became a believer at a young age. She wasn't baptized till college. Yeah. And do I think she was a Christian in between? Absolutely. Yeah. But so it it ultimately comes down to faith. But when there are certain people or faiths that say it's required, you know, I try to see their point as much as possible that it it is important. It's a very important statement and it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to say that, you know, when you cross that line of you have to do something to make it to heaven, you're you're in, well, pardon the pun, but treacherous waters. You're in treacherous waters. I think we get back to this every time. And Lord, guide us even in our speech here because we don't want to spout anything but truth. Yeah. But I feel like we've consistently since the beginning of mankind gotten hung up on the wrong thing. Sure. And so the literal meaning of something, and sometimes the literal meaning is the one we're supposed to go with. Like God created the world. That's he did. He did. <laughs> right. Jesus died for me and rose again. He did. There's no, well, symbolism. Yes, mm-hmm. there's symbolism in the cross, but he literally mm-hmm. died for me on that cross. Right. 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 But I, I think this is one of those things when the Holy Spirit came down and baptized each apostle in the upper room. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, and you can read about that in the second chapter of Acts. It's this baptism of fire representing purification. Right, right. Right, and so there's another symbolic thing that they see there and tongues of fire on each of their heads. And it was this incredible picture of new life and refinement. Mm. Mm-hmm. And water has this same life-giving. Jesus said, I, you know, when you drink from my water, it's living water, you'll never thirst again. This is, it it represents spirit and life. And so there's symbolism there, heavy symbolism. And I want to take that into my personal walk with Christ. I did have that moment as a seven-year-old child being baptized by my grandfather in a Mm -hmm. baptismal Mm -hmm. where I got my little certificate. Oh, yeah. And it had a little picture of Jesus getting baptized. <laughs> That's cute. That's <laughs> cute. Yeah. I remember that. But does one have to have that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think of the thief on the cross. He did not have time to get baptized. Right. Right. He was sprinkled with the words of Jesus Christ saying, today, yeah. you will be with me in paradise. And I think you see where, when his heart is changed, if he wasn't on a cross, he, I think, would have. 
been baptized. If he has mm-hmm. faith in Christ and, and fallen obedience, there's a good chance he would have. But but it's not you're exactly right about the literal. Yeah. And I think that's the good thing about Tony's situation. Yeah. It, it doesn't Tony it doesn't matter about your standing with God, mm-hmm. but it it is a big deal that there is a church saying we won't baptize you. Yeah, because you're not a member here yet and that's biblical you have to be a member is what she was saying is what they're is what she's saying they're saying they're and they're basing it on something in scripture which we have i not would want to know what the verse is discovered it yet. yeah um yeah. it's fascinating if, yeah uh yeah I, I don't know well i'll tell you this this is uh I, but can i also ask oh this? sure if you have been in you've been thinking about baptism and maybe something is hesitant yeah that's something to question maybe talk about with your pastor and say why wouldn't i want to sure so if something's keeping you from it was my your wife got baptized a little later in college it was post my brother's most traumatic point in his life where he was divorced and he had this rebirth experience with jesus he just was reborn from heaven it was Mm -hmm. just amazing and he with there was nothing in him no inhibition i want to be baptized yeah my brother's a big man He's six foot two of solid, and he's in that baptism. I'm sure the preacher was like, oh, dear Lord, saw him coming. Didn't they call him Grim in high school? They call him Grim for Grimace. For Grimace. He liked it. He liked the nickname. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, when I saw his inhibitions from before Mm -hmm. melt. Yeah. He had this Holy Spirit encounter that said, I am in love with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, Lord, if there is anything in me that is keeping me from fully embracing you, I think that's what it's all about. It's like, this is me fully embracing what it, and this is my public declaration of doing that. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily have to happen in a baptismal. No, Kelsey's, my wife was in a pool. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to, again, we've said this before, I don't know that you have to have that, quote, conversion experience with water, per se, even though, but again, if it's like one of those examples or symbols of faith that you can share with your family members, with other people in the church, people who might be watching and looking on and saying, what is this all about? Yeah. There's opportunity to share as well as just let let the water do what it does. Just kind of roll off of your head and your face and you visualize, that's my old life. Yeah. That's yeah. gone. Stepping into new stuff now with Jesus. You said, uh, if there's anything holding you back, well, let me give an example um, of what happened to me uh, <laughs> on what might hold you back. Okay. I was seven, Baptist church, baptismal. And no floaties. It must have been cold. Uh-huh. It must have been cold. Maybe, maybe it didn't matter because of the AC. Maybe it was summertime. The heater was out on the baptismal. Oh. The, the water was 76 degrees. Oh, my word. And I came out blue. My lips were blue getting out of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, uh... Ooh. That's letting other things go, isn't it? That's, that's just... <laughs> yeah. That's like, ah, get me a, a towel, get me a heater. It yeah, was, I'll never get forget Get me that. some medicine for frostbite. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothermia setting in. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that yeah. is rough. Yeah, so... Okay. That's good. That's very interesting, and, uh, you know, we'll hear more from Tony maybe uh, about that, but um, certainly worth discussing, so... Okay. Well, I appreciate her emailing, too. If you ever have a question and... We can try to to get at it as best as we can. And even if you have like a comment about what we said, whether you agree or disagree, sure, we have room to grow. We all do. I never want to stop. And if I think I can, I've reached a canopy, if you will. Something's wrong. Keep me in yeah. check. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting there. We were having a 
a what we call the salvation class four weeks in a row at our church where you ju- we just walk through what is the doctrine of how are you saved. So obviously this was fresh on my mind um, on on uh, what Tony's saying. Um, and uh, I, I admire my pastor a lot when he knows more than everybody in that room. Yeah. And yet he he it's it's he's not just doing an hour lecture and then see you later. Yeah. He's taking questions the whole time and even comments the whole time and listening to when people say, you know, I've heard it said and especially some older people in the room that have some wisdom, but even the younger ones than than him. And he's sitting here graciously like, I've never heard that. That's very interesting. Yeah. You know, and it is ne- never come across as I know more than you. Like, yeah. like Ron Swanson at Lowe's in Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> the guy comes up to help and Ron goes, I know more than you. Okay, see yeah. you later. Yeah, not no, they, that at all. You want yeah. a pastor, a leader that has humility about them. Yeah, yeah. That serves and is confident enough in Jesus to humble themselves and admit when they don't know something. Sure, sure. That's really, really important. And, you know, you you maybe you're hearing us for the first time on this podcast and you thought you'd give it a shot and you're listening to Carter and he's talking about salvation classes and do I have to take a salvation class to be saved? No, no. Do I have to be baptized to be saved? These are big, bold questions and I've never even thought about that before. And I, I think we've said this before on our radio program. It, to me, the transformation experience between you believing and not believing is within even a millisecond of a moment when you, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm all in. I say yes to you, Lord. Jesus, I believe. It's just that simple to say yes to Jesus. We're talking about, all right, Lord, I want to further express this belief. And just like anything else that you get behind uh, the PTA meeting, I really think we should have more uh, snack machines in the schools that have carrots. You know, <laughs> oh, you I was believe. about to say amen, and then you said Carrots. Carrots. Oh. Something that's healthy for the kids and you're like all about it and you're going to prep for it and you're passionate and mm, you get into it. Like, why would I be anything less sure. than my belief in something that I I pray defines my very breathing right now, my life? Yeah. When, and we were going over, you know, that moment. And I think people in in good in a in a good way uh, in, or sorry, with a good intentions. Over the years, especially in the last 50 or 100 years, um, just to try to get people to relate and understand the lingo, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of interesting uh, things. Of Now people think you have to pray this prayer or you have to walk down an aisle or you have to say, you know, Jesus into my heart. How do I get him in there? You know, and. And it really just comes down to putting your trust. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Is Jesus really God that really came to this earth for our sins? Mm-hmm. And either we believe it or we don't. Take him at his word or not. And it's salvation class. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how, see, there is, there's really many of the elements that I just can't even do. Can I, an unholy person, get to God or even even accept what he offers. But what the Bible talks about is God has to be the one to stir my heart. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as my heart is stirred, there's a lot of different thoughts on this part, but uh, as soon as my heart is stirred, then it's like, and I, and I, and I get it and I see it and I could choose to follow him or I could not. Mm -hmm. 
And it's almost like I kind of thought about like Dr. Strange opening a portal, you know, <laughs> God's stirring my heart. And now I can walk. Through I, I can it. listen. And you and you see people yeah. that that get close. Right. Yeah. They, they start going to church for a while mm-hmm. and they start talking about it. And then all of a sudden it really wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. And I think you see these points in all of our lives where our heart has been stirred. And then that part of receiving is in my mind, in our hands of saying, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to put myself out there. It's a bit of a risk of if I choose to say that it's Jesus and is, and he's the only way then I am giving up on is Islam true or is Scientology true or is Mormonism true and, and going, I'm not going to try to put all my eggs in all the baskets. I'm, I'm dedicated to this. And if I'm wrong on the others, then I'm wrong. But I'm sticking with Jesus because I believe he's the only way. And I think once you kind of have that conversion moment and then it's like what we've ta- we're talking about, yeah. then it's that the fancy word is sanctification mm-hmm. and, and you are, you've been justified. You are now sealed. You have your salvation forever. Your eternal life starts now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we grow. Yeah. So think of it like there was this incredible story that Jesus told. And when he told it, everybody said, what? Uh-huh. I don't know. Including his disciples. What did that even mean? Yeah. He, they would go to him later. <laughs> Explain this. Explain it. What does that yeah. mean? And so it was the one, perhaps you've heard the, uh, the story of the farmer who sows some seed. Uh-huh. Seems pretty simple. Goes out. Throws some seed, the seed, some of it lands on the path and birds immediately come down and eat it. Some falls on rocky soil and it sort of starts to take root, but it's shallow. Right. So it dies pretty quickly. Then there's some that falls in the thorny stuff and it gets choked and never grows. And then (laughs) there's the seed that falls in the good soil. When it falls on the good soil, what happens? It grows. So there are all these stages of life where you may have even found yourself in. And the place where, all right, nope, Jesus explained to the disciples later, if it fell on the path, that's like people who hear the word of God, the good news, but the enemy comes and snatches it from their hearts before they're even able to care about it. Yeah. Or maybe you found yourself in the position of, yeah, I'm sort of in. Yeah, okay, I could go to church. I'm feeling this a little bit. My heart was stirred a little bit, and it's the rocky soil. Mm-hmm. It, star- it starts to take root, but when the sun starts pounding down, it's it's not deep enough to grow. Yeah. So it dies off. The thorns represent the things of this world that are the cares of this world. We start getting wrapped up in finances. We start to make idols out of worry and things like that, as opposed to putting God on the pedestal. And that chokes the life of God's word out of us. But the good soil. So I've had all these stages varied in life, actually. Yeah. And the good soil grows. I think when you're talking about attribute, like talking in regards to the, the sanctification, the stuff that you said, quote, comes later like the bigger name stuff Uh the seed has been planted in your life in good soil it will grow and god will grow it but he wants to till he wants to nurture he wants to make sure that it's watered he wants to make sure that it's pruned Mm. these are the parts of discovering along the journey that we call following after jesus yeah that could be maybe listening to a podcast that's reading my Bible every single day. That's, uh, and if, look, that is not meant to be braggadocious. I'm just saying, if I don't read it, I feel like I've lost out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, 
And Carter feels it too. He's like, oh, you didn't read your Bible today, did you? Yeah, that's funny. You said Carter feels it too. And I'm like, yeah, about you. About uh, yeah, you. exactly. Right. <laughs> Carter feels it about me. Uh, my husband has a special prayer time every single morning in his car dedicated to God. And he listens to messages from his favorite pastor online. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, you got to find out ways that God, God can grow you. Otherwise, unfortunately, you're just going to say, stay a really cute little seedling plant thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's super adorable and cute. But God's like, man, potential. I had, yeah. I had plans to grow you into this tree that would bring shade for others. When we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about how do you produce good fruit? And mm -hmm. it's it's you have to be a good tree first and you don't become a good tree by doing good things. God makes you a good tree yeah. because of him saving you. Uh, and then the good fruit just comes. And, well, and can I can I clarify one thing before you go on? Because it makes it sound like I'm talking about. Well, you have to read your Bible. You have to do. These are things God has gifted us with. Like, yeah. these are his words. Yeah. And so I'm choosing to drink from that God juice when I read his word. It's all from him and has nothing to do with me. But I have to insert it into mouth sure. in order to grow and receive the benefit. And, and where I go on on the growing part of it is, you know, it was actually at the salvation class of just kind of a relief moment of you sit here and if you are a Christian and you just don't feel good about yourself, sometimes you even, which we'll get to actually with my thing here about doubting, mm -hmm. am I saved? You know, I'm, I don't know. Sometimes I look at my life and I just don't feel like I'm, maybe you mess up with the same thing over and over. Yeah. And I just had a moment where I looked back at a particular issue in my life and I decided uh, just, I don't know what we were talking about that sparked this, but I'm like, looking back 10 and 15 years ago and going, but have I grown? Mm -hmm. Am I more resistant to this temptation? Do I have more mature thoughts in this department and other departments? Am I seeing it more as sin when maybe early on I didn't? I was like, oh, it's just this bad habit or whatever. But I see growth. I think I think what you got to do is look at your life and, and be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. If not, then then you know maybe there's just opportunity. Uh, there's still opportunity even if you have grown. When you lose weight, do you ever take like you've seen the people that take pictures? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you have to keep track, otherwise you lose track in, you, yes. in the mirror. Yes, and and then you and then you when you compare, you go, oh, oh I did lose some weight. That is a difference. I see it. And now. I think that's exactly like our faith journey. Sometimes we get stuck in because maybe we are at a plateau, mm -hmm. and, and that's a whole other. We could talk a lot about that, but. But you are on a plateau, but it's when you start doubting that if you're even saved that you got to go, but have I grown? Mm -hmm. And and if you have, then keep moving. Yeah. You know, and take a sigh of relief. Um, well, with my thing, I think um, let me play a little bit of this first. OK. And, and then and then we'll talk about what we talked about on our radio show. OK. But when it, it, this is a William Lane Craig, his his podcast or channel website is reasonablefaith.org. He is a brilliant guy. And he talks about should Christians feel bad about uncertainty? So, you know, whether that's about yourself or about the facts of the Bible or is God real? Yeah. This is what he says a little bit. Some Christians have deep 100% certainty, or so they say, about the truth of the Christian faith. Other Christians really struggle. Uh, they wrestle with doubt that plagues them, and yet they cling tenaciously to Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And then there's 
every uh, position in between uh, those two. And I think that it's important to understand that certainty is just a psychological property or state. It's just the property of being firmly convinced of something. And as such, certainty is really unrelated to truth. You mm -hmm. can be absolutely certain about something that turns out to be false. Uh, when my son was 17 years old, he had this problem a lot. Trust me, Dad, he'd say, and then it would turn out to be wrong. So certainty isn't any guarantee of truth. And similarly, doubt and uncertainty is no indication of error. Uh, there can be certain truths, like, say, a complex mathematical equation, which is necessarily true, and yet we're not certain we've done the calculation right. We're not free of any doubt that this might be the case. And so I think that we should recognize that at different times and stations in life with different people, different personalities, people may be all over the map with regard to their certainty of their faith. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is faithfulness. That is to say perseverance in the faith, regardless of your degree of certainty. That's really good. He's he's great. I love I love hearing from him. Yeah, I think there's um, a part in what I'm going over in in the book of Joshua right now where I, I feel like it shows us how God does not condemn us when we're in those places of doubt, because I feel like God knew based on his design of man and how we fell and how that would affect us. He gave us opportunities to remember. Mm. So Joshua has the Ark of the Covenant and he's got it basically leading the people. And at the moment that the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which holds the Ten Commandments in it, perhaps you've seen it in, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's kind of what it looked like. The priests were the only ones who could hold this thing. And as they're carrying it, he tells them step into um, the Jordan River. It's not parted yet. And when they do, the water kind of walls up on one side and stops, stops flowing. Uh -huh. And they go to the middle of this dry riverbed. And as they're about to pass from what was into what will be into this promised land, he is commanded. He tells the people, hey, grab 12 rocks, one for each tribe. And I want you to put them over here on the side of the riverbed when we cross as a monument. And you know what I want you to, I want you to also, this is, I believe God commands this, that you are to take 12 stones and place them also in the middle of the river. Mm -hmm. Like in case there's any doubt that this has ever happened, that I have led you across into salvation. Right. This is your reminder. And God gives us those types of things. And in scripture, we start to see, huh, it's okay to need the reminder. It's okay to struggle with, did it really happen? Mm. It's okay. I mean, doesn't that kind of feel like a release from God? Yeah. And given permission to say, you're a human being. I get it. I want you to remember my goodness. And usually when I read that passage, it's only, it, I've often just thought of it, the opposite of, hey, this is a reminder to praise the Lord for the good things that he has done. But I also need to look at it as a good daddy caring for his child when I need to remember 
hmm. the good things that he has done. So you had told me about a, a teacher yeah. that had done a math uh, experiment or whatever. Something. I don't know if it was a TED Talk. It was videoed. I don't know what it was, but he was a teacher of some sort, and he had he had done the math. He knew the exact equation, and like you said, it was like a Home Alone thing. Yeah, a, a, a paint bucket. <laughs> yeah, it was like some sort of a paint, something heavy, uh-huh. it looked like a paint can, and it was hanging from a string. And he swings that like a pendulum, and when it comes back towards him, he knows because of all the measurements and the math that it's going to come within millimeters of his face, but it will not crack into anything but did he flinch he absolutely flinched he knew it wouldn't touch him but did it keep him from being a human being right nope and and that's where with what you just heard from william william lane craig you know just like the math equation it's like you could get it right and you feel like you didn't do it right or you could get it wrong and you feel like you did it right and so feelings and uncertainty are not the biggest factor But even more important than my side of it is God's. And you see where Mm -hmm. examples like you just named and Thomas, doubting Thomas (laughs) with Jesus and the man who uh, said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief about healing his child. And and Jesus doesn't condemn them. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus doesn't condemn us when we flinch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. And good and awesome and wonderful. At the end of the day, that teacher, he didn't stray from the act itself of showing the math equation, did he? That's true. That's true. He stood firm, even though he flinched. Bringing this back to baptism, that's a a very good indicator of genuine faith, I think, probably most of the time. Hmm. Could somebody go stand up there and be in the water, you know, to to just put on a show? Sure. Sure. But I think the more obedience you see from people, and that's the whole fruit conversation, yeah. the more you're able to go, that person's legit. They truly Absolutely. believe, even in the midst of doubt, their obedience says a lot. I kind of want to get into the weeds about being able to see the fruit of people. And we were just having a conversation with a friend here that there's a Christian comedian who was a couple of years ago, I think was under fire for doing some things that crossed the line. And Uh, Our friend had had a a one-on-one conversation with this guy behind the scenes. He was so gracious Mm -hmm. to our friend. This, our friend's a complete stranger, has no idea who this guy is, but like literally gives him his time and didn't like brush him off. Like, oh yeah, what can I do to help you? Let's talk. And I feel like that's fruit. That's fruit because nobody's watching that. Yeah. It's not being filmed. It's real. So here's this guy who's gotten a lot of flack, understandably so, because he admitted he was wrong by the Christian community. He's gotten flack. And I have had, if I'll be honest, I've had judgments. Mm. Huh. Interesting. So here's this guy saying he's one thing and he's gone behind the scenes and he's doing this other thing. Well, he repented of the crime. He repented of the sin. And I get to this place of like, well, we'll see if we see fruit. And I think I understand why I'm that way because we've been hoodwinked before. Oh, yeah. So we don't want to be willy-nilly with, you know, all yeah. right, let's give this guy tons of opportunities to get in front of people again uh, after he's messed up. No, I understand we have to use wisdom in regards to that. At the same time, we, uh, in, a, in a 
community that is supposed to be forgiving, I will count myself as one that I, I have to check myself on that stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, Lord, give, give me the grace to allow them to bear fruit in front of me. <laughs> Otherwise, if I don't give people a chance because they have a reputation or whatever, what goes on behind the scenes is probably the most important. So here we are making this public declaration of baptism. Mm-hmm. But how are we behind the scenes? Sure. You know, it's it's so important that we check ourselves with that kind of judgment. So we kind of talked about that a couple of weeks or a couple of podcasts ago. But um, anyway, this has been a good talk. Well, and I'll say this, I'll say this, but, and then we, yeah, it's been, uh, whoa, we're crossing the threshold today. Uh, really? We're going on, there's going on our second hour. Can you believe we've been, been, been no talking way! this long? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> there is a, um, like I've said, I've talked to people of a, of a different faith and there is a, uh, a first, uh, how do I say this? A first person, a person that started the religion. There's a person that started the religion decades ago, centuries ago. Okay. And I'm sitting here doing a presentation uh, to my Sunday school class because they want to know more about this particular faith. And I'm, I'm going to do it. I haven't done it yet. And I find myself, and I'll just admit it here, and I'm going to admit it there, I hate this guy. You hate the guy who founded the faith? Yes. Yes. Because I, I, I think that he, whether he, had, I don't know if he intentionally led people astray, mm. but I think he, I know what he that he knew what he was preaching was wrong mm. and that he didn't care about the people that followed him. Yeah. Cause he was pretty much a narcissist. I yeah, guess yeah. You would, I guess you would have to be if I think you're so. only thinking about I think that would be a good classification okay. for this individual. And I, you know, just looking back and reading all the ridiculous things, I hate him. And mm. What I have I'm to, so curious as to where you're going with this. What I have to <laughs> keep in mind is that even for him and even for the worst person that you can think of in your life or history, yeah, there's still a moment where they have the same opportunity as I do. Sure. At the end of their life or you know, towards the end of their life to accept what Jesus did for them. Yeah. Because yeah. as egregious as some people's actions in life can Mm be all of our junk puts us in the same place if it wasn't for Jesus. Yeah. And so I have to go. It's like this. I can't look at myself as, as better than somebody because I haven't earned anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's kind of like those conversations where people don't necessarily respect some of these billionaires that didn't uh, start the company themselves. Mm-hmm. Like even I've heard about Bezos with Amazon. Well, if his daddy didn't give him a space to work and a huge loan, he wouldn't have done it. You know, people get mad about that stuff because they didn't earn it themselves. And in the same way, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm good for Bezos. But um, in the same way, I haven't her- earned any standing in heaven. Mm-hmm. So me and him, me and, and the worst person, Genghis Khan, like anybody that you can think of, I'm not better than I've just been given something and accepted it. Mm-hmm. And they also have the chance or have had the chance to be given something and hopefully accept it. Yeah. And thank God for that. And in yeah. those moments where you find yourself like where Carter is struggling with that hate. Yeah. It's like, all right, I can at least connect with what God saw 
in them Mm -hmm. to love them enough to die for them. Yeah. I can connect to that. And so in that, I may not like the guy, but I can love him through Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that I can because he was able to love me. Yeah. When I had nothing to offer and none of us have. Well, thank you for your time. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Say goodnight, Rochelle. Good night, Rochelle. Oh, it's too hard to pass up, it isn't is. it? You, you say good night, Carter. <laughs> good night, Carter. <laughs>